What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on our USFL Spotlight Show, we're going to talk with Philadelphia Stars quarterback Case Cookus, who's going to tell us why he wanted to play in the USFL, what it was like for him to come off the bench to leading the Philadelphia Stars to the inaugural USFL championship game, and his journey from Thousand Oaks, California to Northern Arizona to a trip in the NFL to the USFL, and why he is so grateful to be playing professional football. Also, I'm going to give you five points to look for as we head into this championship game on July 3rd. That'll be on Big Fox at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. I'm just back from Canton, Ohio. I will be returning where we, yes, will be on the road with the show. More about that a little bit later on as we discuss. But I want to go and talk to Case Cookus, who joined us from Canton, Ohio. I'm pleased to be joined by Philadelphia Stars quarterback, Case Cookus. Case, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking time to do this. And I know that you are getting ready to play in the inaugural USFL championship game, Canton, Ohio, at Tom Benson Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium. But I want to take it back a few years to Northern Arizona and ask quite simply, how did you get from Thousand Oaks, California to Northern Arizona? Yeah, um, it's kind of a weird, weird long story, but, you know, the shorter version of it, you know, I ended up uh, not being highly recruited out of high school, um, was a little undersized, played wide receiver actually my junior year of high school, so didn't have a lot of film to send out. Um, ended up going to a junior college, Ventura Community College, um, and gray shirted there, which was one of the best decisions I ever made because in that year I grew probably another, you know, inch and a half, two inches put on some weight, you know, and at my senior high school is maybe, you know, buck 70. So, you know, it's kind of put on some weight and, and started to really, you know, fit into my body a little bit and had some interest from some from Pac-12 schools and things like that. But without even having to play, I had an offer from NAU, um, and I felt like I had a good connection with the coach, um, uh, Coach Plow at the time, and uh, I decided to, to commit to NAU. And I think it was two, three weeks later in that whole time of going to camp, going to a camp and getting recruited. And the next thing you know, I'm in the middle of football camp at NEU trying to fight for the starting job. <laughs> well, you fought and you won. I mean, let's not be simple about it. Let's, let's put it right there. You won the Jerry Weiss Award, which is for the best freshman in FCS in a year going for over 3,000 yards, passing 37 TDs that year. What was it about the program that clicked for you and seemingly right away? Yeah, so Coach Plow was his first uh, season as offense coordinator there, and they were making a transition from more of a pro-style two-back set with two tight ends maybe even um, to more of a spread offense. But a spread offense with pro concepts at more of a, a little bit of more of an up-tempo pace. We'd still huddle and, and get together, run some wing sets and run some you know, play action, run the ball with a couple tight ends. But um, we really wanted to, to spread it out. And what we were able to do with a lot of seniors around me is we had a really good wide receiver and Emmanuel Butler there on the outside. We had a really good uh, running back and O-line that were, were seen, seniors, veteran guys. And so for me at quarterback, walking into that situation was, was awesome because they all knew what they had to do. I didn't have to coach anyone up. So everyone knew exactly what to do. And you know, we had so many playmakers on that team 
uh, you know, and I was fortunate enough to win the Jerry Rice Award. Um, one of the greatest achievements of my life. I was so, so thankful. And uh, just to be even mentioned the same sentence as Jerry Rice is, is an awesome accomplishment for me. It sounds as if you had a lot of the pieces in place at NAU that you do with the Philadelphia Stars, a, a scheme that's wide open that gives you more control and also a bunch of players that already know what they are doing. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Coach Bart, just getting back to that, it was he does a great job of making you know a complex offense very simple for the guys. So you can come in and, and execute his offense just in – a short week's notice. You know, KJ came in last week and was able to move the ball down the field very quickly for us um, when I was out for that series too. So, um, you know, coach starting with air with Coach Bart, and then you get into our playmakers at wide receiver, tight end, running back. It's amazing how many playmakers we have, um, and it's awesome to see them work. So my job at quarterback is really easy because I'm just trying to get them the ball as quickly as I can. That is the X's and O's of what you are doing. That is you being a quarterback, reading the field, and getting the ball out to your playmakers. But one of the aspects of your game that I think is very interesting and quite literally entertaining is your fiery personality. And the way I want to get at this is there's a story about you back at NAU in Big Sky Conference playing against Montana. And you picked up a targeting call and an ejection as a quarterback. And as I understand it, you are the first quarterback to ever be ejected for targeting. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, that was uh, it's a crazy story. It's funny now. It wasn't so funny when it happened. But uh, I was pretty fired up when it happened. But, um, yeah, so basically it was, a, it was a trick play for anyone that hasn't seen it. And I was supposed to get the ball. Uh, we kind of tossed to our big tight end who has a big arm. And they kind of snuffed up the play. And um, he started to run out there to the right. And I peeled back and threw a block. And, me not really knowing how to block, I just kind of threw it up there and um, ended up kind of getting in his his head, you know, an area. And, it, and the guy was fine, 100% fine, got popped back up and everything. That's obviously the first thing. But uh, initially, I thought it was for, like, taunting or things like that. And then they saw it. They said targeting. And I, I was shocked. And, you know, they threw me out. And, uh, you know, the fans were throwing you know, beers and snowballs and everything at me. Oh, it was, it's, you know, Montana's a tough place to play at. So uh, definitely a story and a funny story I can tell you for the rest of my life. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you telling that story. Also, I appreciate a quarterback that's willing to throw his shoulder into some things. And, and this is part of your story that I find fascinating. We'll get back to, but I also want to jump ahead. You did some time in the NFL, the Giants, the Broncos, the Vikings, and the Raiders. First, did I forget anybody? And what have you taken from your limited time in the NFL as a pro? No, I think that was it. I had a little stint there with uh, uh, Edmonton Elks up in Canada after I got cut from the Raiders. Um, but I, I learned so much. Each place I go, um, there's so many good quarterbacks and coaches that I've met um, and other players around the league. You know, I think um, coming out the year I did, the COVID year, not having a pro day, not having this and that. So it was hard for me to learn how to be a pro over Zoom. You know, you kind of you know, when you go to those mini camps, you're around other rookies and you kind of get to learn together. Um, and when you're doing it over Zoom, you kind of have to take your lumps and um, you don't really, you know, you, sometimes you can't tell what you're doing wrong because just because it's over a computer or you can't make the mistakes on the field and then go back and correct them in the room and then come back and make them and fix them out on the field. So, um, you know, I had a lot of learning to do in that aspect and bouncing around the way I've done 
I feel like my career, especially now since I've got to USFL, has been heading in the right direction. You know, I had small stand with the Giants, made a couple impressions the next year on, you know, Broncos, Vikings, Raiders, and now I was able to play and get some film here in the USFL. And uh, now we're playing for a championship, which is an awesome opportunity. It didn't always feel like it was going to go this way for you. Uh, like, let's be plain about it. Brian Scott was a starter. He got hurt. You come in and you do a great job. But I also think you played one of the better games of anybody in the USFL. June 5th, 46-28 win against the Michigan Panthers. Is that when the team felt like it was yours to command? Or did you feel that way even weeks before? Yeah, I think, um, you know, going back to the offense, I feel like, um, you know, it was never anyone's team itself. You know, we, Coach Bard, again, has set it up um, so nice for anyone to step in and be able to execute um, at really any position. You know, we, not to say our guys are interchangeable because we have some really, truly special guys, but um, what we want to do as offense is keep it simple, get the ball out into those those playmakers' hands. And, you know, you know, yes, it was kind of clicking all together on that Michigan game. But, uh, you know, even at that Michigan, there was, there's was three or four throws and three or four maybe decisions that I still wanted back. So still wanting that almost perfect game. I know that's, you know, I think quarterbacks are always striving to get better and better and better, get the higher completion percentage. And, you know, we'd all love to go, you know, 20 for 20 with five touchdowns. But, you know, that's what we're achieving. And if we slightly miss, we have, you know, a great game. So, um, you know, just got to keep working at it. And like I, I keep bringing Coach Bart up, but he does a great job of setting us up for success. Well, don't be too hard on yourself. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> you said three or four you want back. You were 20 and 26, Doc, for like 250. <laughs> so, like, let's calm, pump the brakes on that. But also in that game, we got to see you talking about playing wide receiver in high school a little <laughs> bit. You got some wheels and you've been trying to downplay it all year. <laughs> I want to know, like, why are you trying to downplay your ability to move in the pocket? Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess, you know, it's, it's something, uh, you know, I try not to break it out um, too often. I, like I said, I really trust our guys on the outside of winning, but, you know, sometimes, you know, there's, there's a, first off, a lot of good competition in this league. And, you know, when, you know, the defense is, is playing a lot of two man or things like that, you have to show that you can run to then suck them back up and be able to hit them up top. So, uh, you know, I got on that one, the, the touchdown run, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I got out there, but honestly, there's only a couple of guys to beat. So it's not like I made, you know, three or four guys miss. But, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's important to show the defense that that you can, you know, extend the pocket and make some of those plays because it just it gives them something else to worry about for sure. I found it fascinating that, you know, in the post game, you told our Eric Williams, look, that's the furthest that I've run in any football <laughs> game in college or the NFL. But you also yeah. had. 118 rush yards in that game. You had all the 227 in four years in AU. So you're not actually telling us, you know, yeah. anything that we shouldn't already know. But again, <laughs> I wanted to commend you for that because it's not a lot of quarterbacks that want to lean into that or know that they have it in the bag and can go get it. You mentioned Coach Bart and just what this offense allows for you and how simple it is. We're talking about KJ Costello who comes in, not just off the street, but having not played football in a year, I mean, so so little that he's a scratch golfer, which I'm sure <laughs> is going to annoy some people that you could just go out there and do that if you're KJ. But what have you picked up from Coach Andrus that has made you a better quarterback? You know, I think um, for him, he's a very calming presence uh, in the quarterback room. Uh, you know, I've had 
a lot of different coaches and I, I find myself I thrive pretty well in, in in a calm environment you know I try to stay as calm as I can I know you know when I get out on the field I get a little fired up and all that stuff but at the quarterback position especially when you're making those decisions you do have to have a level level head and I think that's one thing coach Bart does very well is he never you know you never come to the sideline and he's you know, never yelling at you like, you're, you know, you're an idiot or anything like that. He does, you know, he just talks about, you know, what went wrong, how we're going to fix it, um, talks to the guys in the booth, and we all work together uh, to find a solution. So just that calming presence he brings is really awesome. I found it fascinating to hear his play calls to you and how you receive them and relay them in the huddle. But mm -hmm. one of the things that uh, this broadcast of Fox Sports puts on that I think is really outstanding, I wish – more football uh, broadcasts had it were these mic'd up segments. And you had one of my favorite of the year in the <laughs> divisional final against the New Jersey Generals. And I want to have the audience take a listen to that with us and your reaction to it. Hey, guys, also, let's keep it clean, man. I don't care if someone punches me in the face. They're not going to be here next week. We are. Right? You good? You good? So in this clip, again, you're saying, hey, I don't care if I get hit in the face. We're going to be playing next week, and they're not. That's part of that fiery personality that I was alluding to earlier in the interview. And yet, there it is again. Is it something that you just turn on or something you have all the time? Because you don't seem like that kind of guy when you're talking to Brock on the sidelines. You get in the huddle, all of a sudden you're a linebacker playing quarterback. Yeah, no, I'm so, I, I really I don't know where it comes from. It's probably just a little the competitive edge that I get when I step between those lines. Because when I step off the field – I don't care if you hit me 15 times, we'll, you know, dap up, we'll shake hands and we'll go out and, and hang out together. Uh, you know, but as soon as you cross those lines, it's, it's fair game. Let's have some fun. We're, we're competing uh, to win a championship. And uh, that's one thing about me, whether it's, you know, ping pong, pick up basketball, you know, professional football, I'm going to try and I'm going to try very hard. So, you know, in that moment, you know, we had just had a, a, a moment where, you know, there was a little scuffle and I'm trying to get the guys you know, fired up with the same time, understand, you know, the situation where, you know, hey, 15 yards can can cost us, uh, but understand that, you know, there I'm there and I got their back and I know they got my back. But, uh, you know, if they, you know, if the other team does something stupid, they don't have to do something stupid back. So just, you know, trying to understand, uh, you know, because I get it, you know, they see the quarterback get, you know, push this and that, they want to back me up. But, hey, you know, I'll be all right. I'm a tough guy. And, you know, let's let's keep going and, and roll into this uh, this playoff game, which we eventually did. Yeah, I do need to underscore for folks that didn't watch the game in its entirety. I'm at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium watching this, and it got not just emotional and chippy toward the end, but very exciting. Right for those that don't know, there were two punt returns for kick uh, for touchdowns in this game, and I think we had all of one for the first ten weeks of the season. You had a really great understanding of what had just transpired when hard time Maurice Alexander took one back to win you guys the football game. What were you thinking on the sideline as, you know, you expect to go back out there and have to try to lead the team to a game-winning score? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I, I tell these guys, and I've, I've said it many times out in the media too, is, you know, my message is one play at a time. You know, um, you know it doesn't matter if we're down – one score, we're down three scores. You know, all we can do is control that next play that coach calls. So, you know, if we're there, you know, and guys start to get a little antsy, just think about the next play. And I just keep reminding them of that um, just 
purely because, you know, some guys have different approaches to it. Some guys get a little fired up and, and, you know, maybe forget the player this or that and try to have that calming. Okay, here we go. Next play. Let's get the job done. Doesn't matter. Like I said, what play it is, if it's a big third down, if it's first and 10. So um, that's the way we try to approach those, those situations. And luckily, as I was saying that hard time caught the ball and, and took it all the way down uh, the sideline. And, and uh, I can't even remember, I'm sitting there going, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening as he's running right past me, which was, was one of the coolest moments of my football career. And, and so happy for that guy. And, and I couldn't pick a more deserving guy to win that football game. Cause let's be honest, that's what he did for us. You all are one of my favorite teams to cover this year in large part, because there's so many personalities and great stories, hard time being one of them, right? Another Jordan Moore, a guy who could have been, I think running the Olympics at 110 meter hurdles, just wants to play professional football, uh, Channing Stribling, right? Probably the best cornerback in this league. And a guy you got to see in practice just wants to play professional football. One of the things that I think the USFL does best is give folks like yourself an opportunity to play professional football. So I need to ask this in the way that I've asked every player who's been gracious enough to sit where you are and feel my questions. Why did you want this opportunity to play in the USFL? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. You brought so many, so, uh, so many guys that have crazy cool stories and if we get a chance to talk sit down and talk with them it's it's an awesome conversation but um i'm here because i love football and i think uh, i can keep it plain and simple um like we talked a little bit about my competitiveness but the great thing about football and one of the cool things about playing quarterback is you're never done learning the sport you know i don't care if you're you're peyton manning or you know a, a little kid first picking up off the a ball for the first time there's always something else you can learn about the game you know uh i just remember watching clips of you know peyton manning and tom brady and they'll break down these plays simple plays and they'll talk for hours and hours about it and um i think that's why i always keep coming back to the game because um it's so cool and, and you're just, you're never done you know you're never done and you haven't learned everything you are benefiting quite a bit from the USFL and you've talked about why you love football, but I need to ask, what's it like to have your parents and your fiance Tyler on hand in Canton to watch you get to play for a championship this weekend? Oh, it's awesome. You know, I think uh, there's a moment, you know, in every guy's college career and I don't know how, you know, maybe those first round draft picks or that, you know, what they think, but you know, you, you know, do you think, well, is this my last my last time I suited up and got in a game? And so just the opportunity for them to be there and see me play again, it almost makes me emotional a little bit, you know, because I think back, you know, my last college game, I, I think I lost an overtime game to Idaho. It was like 60 to 57. I had one of the best games of my career, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, is this the way I'm going to go out? And so now just to be able to play again and appreciate the game, I think I have a – a newfound appreciation for not playing for, for almost two years there. So um, just the opportunity and now, you know, playing for a championship and it's, it's so exciting. And both my fiance and my mom and dad will be, will be there next week. So just can't wait. Super excited for it. Well, good luck to you and the Philadelphia stars as well as the Birmingham stallions <laughs> this weekend uh, when you play for the inaugural USFL championship case cookies. Thank you so much for joining us here on the number one ranked show. Thank you so much for having me.
My thanks to Case Cookis for joining us here on the number one ranked show once again. Delightful interview, delightful man. And he's getting married soon. And I'm really excited for him. And maybe he gets to celebrate a USFL championship win. But to do that, he's going to have to play one hell of a good football game because that Birmingham Stallions team is stout. So let's talk about points to discuss and to pay attention to as we head toward the USFL championship game. First one is, can you cook us a turnover with extra butter? I'm talking margarine. I'm talking turnover margin. Come on, stay woke with me. Look, the turnover margin, I think, is going to be tremendous in this game because it has been everywhere else. Matter of fact, in the game in which New Orleans Breakers took an L to the Birmingham Stallions in the South Divisional Final, Coach Fedora was straight up and down about it. He said, look, man, we played a great football game. Point is, they had two turnovers, and we did not. You know, they got them, they took the ball away from us and we weren't able to take the ball back from them. And that was the difference in the game. I mean, Victor Bolden took one back all the way to forget six, seven, right? But you also had Kyle Sloter who threw the ball away once again and had more interceptions than TDs this season, even as he was all USFL as a quarterback. I think that the team that wins the turnover margin has the best chance to win this game. They both have dynamic special teams, which I'm going to get to here in a second, but also I thought it was interesting that we're talking about these teams that are great at takeaways in different ways, right? So Channing Stribling has, I believe, seven interceptions this year, and if he's ready to go, you're probably not going to want to throw near him all day if you're J.M.R. Smith. On the other side, you also have Scooby Wright, Demarcus Gates, JoJo Tillery, who can take the ball away from you by just knocking it out and going to scoop it up. We saw that with Demarcus Gates against New Orleans Breakers. He picked the ball up off the floor. I say off the floor, it's an interception technically, but the way he caught that ball looked like he's falling down and then rumbled to the end zone. So the next part, yes, it's got to be the special teams. I think as a point number two, like you can't overlook it because it mattered in those two games to decide who's playing for the championship. I thought it was fascinating that we are talking about just one punt return for touchdown in this league through the regular season. And then we had two in one game and one return in the next game. So we had three special team TDs in this game. And I always thought that the kicking game was going to be the one that decides it. We had kickers that could make them from 61. We had kickers that missed ship shots. It just seemed to affect everybody. But if you're going to punt the ball to Maurice Alexander, good luck. You're going to punt the ball to Victor Bolden. Good luck. Either one of those guys can take it back. Also add to this, the only guy that returned a punt return for a touchdown in the regular season also was the league's MVP. That was Cavante Turpin, who took one back against the Stars and looked like New Jersey was going to get the rematch against Birmingham to start the season in the championship game. And then Hard Time said, no, 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 it's my time. Not Turpin time, but Hard Time in winning time. Okay. Can you cook us a championship or does owing Lou, uh, Lou Skip Holtz a championship matter more for Jamar Smith? As a matter of fact, one of the things that I've been fascinating to fascinated to watch is how Jamar Smith interacts with Coach Holtz, right? It is a father-son dynamic. He's able to talk to him like a son, be hard on him, and he receives it like a dad. At the post game, following their win, Coach Holtz is up there next to Victor Bolden on his left and Jamar Smith on his right. And Jamar Smith is choking up trying to hold back tears as he hears his coach talk about what this win meant to him, what it means for him to have this sort of success 
in his first year as a professional football coach. And for J.M.R. Smith, who said, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude for Coach Holtz, and I owe him a championship. J.M.R. Smith was my pick to be MVP of this league because I don't think that Birmingham is in this position if not for him. And like Cookus, we're talking about two quarterbacks that did not start the season as a starter. They weren't even the first picks for their teams, and yet they are the guys as they get ready to try to win this thing in the shadow of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Jamar has found ways to just go get it, whether it's with his legs or completing passes down the field. He finds a way to get in the end zone. He's got some tools around him, right? We know we got Bo Scarborough in the backfield with C.J. Marable. You know you have Marlon Williams on one side, Victor Bolden on the other. You know you're going to have opportunities to take advantage of a defense that's been doggone stout. You know, I think perhaps New Orleans Breakers might have some truck with me on this, but the Stallions might have the best linebacking core in the entire league. As a matter of fact, the linebackers in this league are all pretty doggone stout. I mean, all the way down to the Houston Gamblers and the Pittsburgh Maulers, I could point to guys all over this league that could play. Kayava, Tizino, Donald Payne, Reggie Northrup, and those are guys that were toward the bottom, right? Frank Ginda at Michigan. We can keep going here. I think that between Scooby Wright, Demarcus Gates, JoJo Tillery, who's kind of a hybrid box safety slash linebacker, you have some outstanding defenders on that team. I also think that it's going to be interesting to see if Cookus can deliver the ball to his playmakers, right? Matt Colburn has meant a lot to the Philadelphia Stars here in the last five weeks. As a matter of fact, they went from having one of the worst rush def or rush defenses, rush offenses in the league to having one of the better tailbacks in the league in Colburn. He had to leave the game against the Generals with an injury. So did Channing Stribling. So did Case Cookus for a little bit. So those guys getting healthy this week is going to be pivotal to them having a, a great outing on Sunday. But again, if you can get the ball out to guys like Bug Howard, Jordan Sewell, Maurice Alexander, goodness me, uh, DeAndre Overton, they'll have an opportunity to go and score points. And if you can outscore the Birmingham Stallions, you got a good chance of beating them. They want to run the ball. They want to play defense, right? As much as Skip Holtz wants to throw the ball around and is the first person to tell you, I want to throw the ball around, He's also the guy that in the second half will just look at Bo Scarborough and says, okay, putting the saddle on your back, biggin. We're going to ride you all the way out. And that's what they did to beat the New Orleans Breakers. They were able to eat up clock. They responded to a 17-play drive that took about nine minutes off the clock from New Orleans, where they got three with their own 15-play drive that took about eight minutes off the clock, where they got six and ended up making a margin of victory larger than it needed to be as Skip Holtz got to win a divisional final, Pro Football Hall of Fame stadium with his father, Lou, on hand. It's a very big deal because Lou Holtz had not been able to travel to Birmingham all year to see his son coach professional football. With some help and some friends, they were able to get him to Canton, and he got to see his son lead the Stallions to this championship game. Really phenomenal stuff. I was privileged to, to be there for it. Also add in there, again, uh, leading rushers for Toward the stars, Matt Colburn is averaging 4.6 yards per carry. He's got eight TDs. CJ Marables averaging 3.8. But again, Bo Scarborough has helped them quite a bit. He's got five TDs. The kitchen sink and who blinks, right? That's a point for me, right? It's about which one of these play callers, because both Skip Holtz and Bart Andrus are calling the plays, are going to pull out the kitchen sink or throw the kitchen sink and pull out some sort of double pass, which we've only seen once in this league. but 
these two are more likely to have some fun with the rules. As a matter of fact, Bart Andrus is the first coach to call a three-point conversion and succeed, right? You'll remember against the Pittsburgh Maulers, they stretched a four-point lead into a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter. Brian Scott was able to find Matt Colburn from 10 yards out for three points. Uh, we've also seen a couple of teams go for it on fourth and 12 instead of an onside kick. That can come into play. I was asking uh, the president of football operations, Brian Woods, if the overtime rules change now that we are in the playoffs and championship game. And he said, no, he checked with uh, the rules, the head of rules official, Mike Pereira, who said, no, we're, we're going to have a best of three shootout if it goes to overtime in the championship. And wouldn't that be something? Also, if you're going to go to Canton, Ohio to watch the game, and you should, you, you really should, you're also going to get to see the USFL exhibit, right, for this league, where Brian Scott's jersey and Kyle Sloter's jersey are on display as Brian Scott again through that three-point conversion. And Kyle Sloter ran in for the game-winning two-point conversion in the first ever best of three overtime, which they were able to win against Jeff Fisher's Michigan Panthers. Phenomenal stuff there. Uh, I thought that from the jump, this league is for football fans, first and foremost, but also for players that just want to get closer to their dream. You know, the Hall of Fame is a place where we enshrine the best of us. Gold jackets and bronze busts. That's what it's for, right? Every now and again, you get the odd memento, the odd jersey. Super Bowl rings are on display. There's an exhibit over there where you can make your own Super Bowl ring. The Black College Football Hall of Fame exhibit is phenomenal. You need to see it. I'm also in there looking at a big statue of Jim Thorpe where it just says the legend because everybody understands. Also, you know, I get to see that at home because I'm from Oklahoma. You know, I'm just saying, like, I get to see that at home. But I also thought it was really cool to know that these men that just want to achieve their dream have an opportunity to do that in the shadow of the place that is responsible for remembering the greats of the game. I'm walking back to my car, right, as I'm leaving the stadium, it's after midnight, and I'm behind a family who had just seen a New Orleans breaker, who I don't need a name, just lose, right? And they're dealing with that, and they're dealing with uh, the fallout of that. And I hear a man who I believe is player's uncle say, hey, I'm just hopeful that he gets back to the NFL on this, get some good film. And he was asked why. It's like, well, he's six games from being vested, six games from his pension, six games from retiring. That's the dream right now for some of these players. It's not about for them just trying to get to the NFL and play. Some of this is, this is their occupation. This is their vocation. This is what they have been doing since they were children. And I'm privileged to see those guys going all out for it in Birmingham, all the way out here to Canton for the opportunity just to play a little bit longer, you know, to be a professional. And then to get that do that on Fox, you know, in front of family and friends, but also national broadcast games for 10 weeks straight. And then another two weeks if you're the Philadelphia Stars and the Birmingham Stallions. It's great stuff. Now, lastly, the thing that I'm going to be watching for is playmakers. I mentioned a few of them already. But what's Jordan Moore going to do? You know, he's their leading tackler with 65. What is Matt Colburn going to do? You need him to run the ball well to open up the pass game. What is Bo Scarborough going to do? He's gone off a couple of times, but this would be a great game for him to show up and show some of that Alabama resiliency and that Alabama 
need to win championships for the Stallions to do what they had been doing for most of the year. Remember, this team was undefeated up until second to last week of the season, right? They had wanted to win every game, and Skip Holtz said in the post-game press conference following the divisional final, we wanted to win every game. So I had asked him, how are you going to keep these guys focused in this week leading up to the game? So I don't think I'm going to have a problem with that. I had a problem the last two weeks because I'm trying to convince them that being undefeated matters and winning every game matters. But we got through that and we're here now. I think everybody's going to be focused on winning football games, not as if we're here to do something else. <laughs> I thought that was great. But that's also peak Skip Holtz, who has been outstanding from the jump. And I'm very excited to see he or Bart Andrus raising that trophy. Now, last, I'm not going to make a prediction. I am going to say I thought the Philadelphia Stars could be here. They were my dark horse to win it all from the jump. A lot of other people did not see it that way, but I thought the way that Bart Andrus knows how to coach in alternative leagues, particularly spring leagues, his experience in the World Football League, experience in the CFL, the staff he put together, quite as it's kept, he's got a former head coach at Boston College, and he's got a former special teams coach for the Denver Broncos on the staff that people just don't acknowledge, right? They were the team that in training camp looked superb. They looked polished. They knew what they were doing. A lot of that had to do with the understanding between Andrews and Scott, which has apparently become an Andrews, uh, Andrews, an understanding between Andrews and Cookus. So seeing all that come into fruition and seeing those guys able to get here now in July playing football that matters, I'm excited about that. So we will be on hand July 3rd at Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium to react live on the field to what occurs, right? Whether the Stars or the Stallions win, how they win, we're probably going to talk to a, a coach or perhaps or a player. We never know, right? I'm excited about it because, frankly, I've been working really hard along with the staff of this show to get to this point, and... I'm privileged to be in a position to continue to tell these stories, to hear these stories, to have these men open up to me in ways that make them vulnerable and are laying it all out. And I hope you'll join us for that across the social channels, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We will have you covered with live reaction on the number one ranked show accounts to the USFL championship game. Good luck once again to the Birmingham Stallions and the Philadelphia Stars. Both of them are worthy of winning this championship. All right, that is it for me. Doses.